Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to Of The Essence with Liz. I am emerging, finally, from a funk that I've been in for the past few months. Yeah, I'm so happy it's finally March, and spring is on the horizon, and things are looking up. I have been in a seasonal depression slash just feeling really out of it and not feeling like myself. And it just feels good to have a little bit more energy back and start feeling like I want to do more things. And yeah, I'm really grateful. You know, I I do think that we learn the most when we are in these periods of toughness and downs. And um, I definitely have learned a good bit in the past few months. I might do a solo episode next on just like my birthday, which was about a month ago, and what I've learned in the past 31 years of being on this planet, and like specifically also what I learned in my down period recently, and just been uncovering some new things in therapy, which has been really interesting. Well, I, I knew this, but it's something that's been coming up lately a lot in therapy has been my one of my core wounds is stifled expression, which shows up in my throat chakra. So I really feel like I am doing myself a service by coming on here and sharing myself and like speaking from the heart and expressing myself. And my inner child is happy that I'm that I'm here and that I'm podcasting. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate you all so much. I am heading to Jackson next weekend, which I always am so happy to be there. And it just feels like home away from home. And so I'm really excited for that. Otherwise, I've been really craving to start traveling again. Just got a new passport. So that's super exciting. But yeah, nothing crazy planned just yet. I really want to go to Oaxaca. That's definitely high on my list right now. And then who knows where I, I kind of want to plan a trip for the fall again, but we will see what happens. These are just things on the horizon. I, I feel like I got to keep things interesting sometimes by traveling and like I get bored and I kind of lose my like spice for life if I don't travel. And yeah, so I'm kind of in my dreaming of travel phase right now, which is nice because like I said, I was in the funk for a while where I was kind of just like in such a deep depression that I could barely even like remember basic tasks. And like when I tell you depression brain is real, it is so hard to even remember to like take my supplement. Like I was really struggling for a while just on a day to day. So super grateful. Like I said, things are looking up. And yeah, I also have kind of been feeling like I want to make some shifts with the podcast. Well, I do have like an exciting thing coming up, which I will announce soon. But I also have been thinking about um, outsourcing editing which would just allow me to focus a lot more on creating and interviewing and all of that jazz. So stay tuned. I may take a short break after the next episode just to, you know, get my ducks all in a row and organize everything and figure out like all my systems. So yeah, had so much fun interviewing this person today. Um, the person I interviewed is Tolan. He actually was my personal trainer back in New York City in like 20. 
2015, I believe, which, oh my God, that's wild. It's like almost 10 years ago. It's like eight years ago. And yeah, we met. He was just a young trainer. I had just graduated college. I was like, help me get in shape. And we had a lot of fun together. We honestly just like mostly shot the shit and like talked about relationships for um, our sessions and obviously got a workout in. But yeah, I remember helping him with his dating woes and going through a breakup. And yeah, we just like got on really well. It's interesting. We've stayed like loosely connected over the years and I've seen him go through a lot of different changes. So he trained um, as a chef at Le Cordon Bleu in Barcelona or Madrid, I don't know, Spain. And now he has a show on one of the cooking networks, which is really cool. So he's also a comedian. He also has a podcast called The Silly Goose Academy. So we had a lot of fun on this episode. We talk about relationships. He just got out of a long-term relationship. He talks about some of the lessons that he learned from that, as well as, you know, his kind of mindset mentality in dating now. Red flags early on in dating. And what else? things that he looks for in a partner, things that makes him want to lock someone down and um, his attachment style, a lot of other topics as well. So I hope y'all love this episode and let me know if you want to hear a solo episode from me next as well. And yeah, hit me up. I'm always curious to hear your content ideas, your feedback, and all of that. So I would love to hear from you and I'm always so grateful when you do reach out to me. So I love you all so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have a special guest, Tolan. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to have you here. And Tolan is a podcast host as well. Super exciting. So can you give a quick little intro about yourself and mention the name of your podcast? Sure. The name of the podcast is the Silly Goose Academy. We don't actually teach you anything on the show, but you know, it's just me and my friend, Amanda Ebert. And we just uh, try to have a silly goose time. That's really what it's all about. You know, that's really who I'm about in a nutshell. Love that. What's like the premise of your podcast? Is it just all about fun? Like, do you how do you plan the content, I guess? Well, I mean, the reason that we did it to begin with is because, you know, we were performing like stand up before uh, the pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit, we just like couldn't do anything, couldn't go perform anywhere. So we just started like, it's like your bare bones comedy podcast. We just kind of shoot the shit. There's no, there's no format really. It's easy breezy. Sometimes we talk about one topic or like try to just like delve into it, but who knows? We just kind of let, you know, the energy of the moment take us. Nice. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, you get what you get and you don't get upset. I love that. And so Tolan and I met in, what was the year? 2015? Dude, no, I think it might be. I might, I think it might have been like 2013, 2014. I don't know. I was like 21. Well, I graduated college in 2014, so it had to have been 2015 or later. Your memory. I'm going to go with your memory of things. All right. So around then, and um, Tolan was actually my trainer, mm-hmm. physical trainer, I guess. I don't know. There's multiple types of trainers. What a time. <laughs> that was a, that was, I mean, what a good time in my life. <laughs> but, but like, let's say I was like 21 working in like the Lower East Side, like near St. Mark's, right? It was Astor Place, so like near St. Mark's. Mm-hmm. I'm just like this 21-year-old tra- like trainer at this like corporate gym, which by the way was not. 
at all what I thought it was going to be. Like I went in there thinking I was going to like help people, you know, and make people feel better. But they were just like on the first day, they're like, all right, you got to make us a certain amount of money every month. So get to it, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> of numbers from the start. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't good at that. I like, I realized right away they wanted you to like go and like find clients, but I just waited till clients were kind of given to me. That's tough. I mean, I know that I enjoyed my sessions with you a lot and I felt like I really had like a new sense of renewed physical health and fitness from from our sessions, yeah. which was great. And I know that you were also into like bodybuilding at one point. Yeah, I was doing, I think when we first started together, I was preparing for a bodybuilding competition, which in hindsight, I don't know, should I have done that? I don't think so. I have some good pictures of it, but it's like I could have done without like the minor eating disorder probably yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> could have done without that but you know it is what it is but um you as a client i just wanted to say you just never you you just you were a great client you ended up being more like a friend than, <laughs> than like like i had like clients who were just like i didn't even talk to them when i was there you know and there's like people like you and your roommate sorry but you know you didn't really listen to me much. <laughs> you would always come in like, not always, but some of the time you come in, you're either hungover or just like, just like tell me like, yo, I did this, I did that. And I'm like, you're not listening to me, man. <laughs> you know? In terms of like what you were telling me to eat or the workouts that you wanted me to be doing or what? Uh, both, I guess. <laughs> like, I remember one time you came to me, you're just like, like, I felt like you were about to break up with me. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what's the problem? And you're like, I'm not seeing what I want to see. I'm like, that's because you know why. Yeah. No, um, I do remember that. But then I also remember that I had like some form of an eating disorder during that time, too, because I, I became like obsessed with what I was eating and it was not healthy. Yeah, I, I you know, looking back, I mean, I don't know how much of that has to do with me. Maybe it has something to do with me, but. You know, in hindsight, like I would never, if I were to ever be a trainer again, and I haven't done that in years, it's like everything that there was preached to us and everything that like the way we, I learned it and everything, it was like, like that gym specifically, it preached to us that like, you have to find something that's like wrong with the client and like show them like how you can make them better. When mm -hmm. like, when like now I would tell someone like, you, you know, eat whatever, you know, there's no such thing as like really like bad food. I mean, there is, there's stuff that's all healthy, but it's like, you know, if you're hungry, eat. If you're like, you want a snack, have it. Like when you associate so much negative like connotation to food, it just makes you feel bad about yourself. You know, you just don't enjoy yourself. And there's no, I don't see a point. You can still exercise. It's just like, don't, don't overeat. Yeah, no, definitely. I think kind of what got me and I know Flory struggled a bit with it too, was that it really was like 80% diet. And so we were like, oh my God, we really need to be, it, it was also like this, you know, sense of control over our lives. We were like, okay, well, if we can control this 80%, then um, we'll see, you know, better results. But I know that's kind of the tough part is like, you can't just do a hundred crunches and get a six pack. It doesn't work that way. It's like, yeah. And it's all shit that I can't even control either. I can't control what my like people are doing like at home. Like, you know, you, you leave from school and you do whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm curious, how did you go from training to becoming a chef and an aspiring comedian? Well, I kind of got fed up being a trainer. It just wasn't for me anymore. I just had, I had, I was feeling very jaded by the whole thing. In terms of the culinary thing, like my dad's a chef, my brother's a chef. It's just like something that I naturally, I've been growing up around it. Just like I'm good at, it, you know, but 
I had finished uh, my business degree, so I have a culinary certificate and business degree. So I work more of the business side of the restaurant now and we have a catering business. But stand up, it's like something I've wanted to do since I'm like 10 years old. You know, I was at a, I went to sleepaway camp, you know, um, have you ever been to sleepaway camp? I have. Right. Yeah. So ours was like the, you know, like the communist Jewish kind, you know? <laughs> so I remember I was sick. It was my first year ever. I was like 10 years old and I was in the infirmary and I had a fever and they were just like George Carlin DVDs uh, and VHS, VHS tapes, like this, like one of like the dirtiest comedians of all time. I just remember watching that for the first time as a 10 year old and being like, that's people can talk like that, you know? Yeah. And then I just been obsessed ever since. It's the thing that makes me the most like afraid to do. So it seems like the thing I want to do most, I guess. Okay. That's why I could describe it. I like that. Yeah. I feel like you should always do things that you are afraid of. That was that was like one of my New Year's resolutions. One year like to do something every day that I was afraid of. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I did it every day, but are you, are you tackling all your fears so far? It's been a month. Uh, well, this was not this year. This was another year, but, uh, okay. yeah, just tackling fears. I don't even have any fears anymore. You're a fearless, fearless woman. <laughs> no, I think actually I was talking to someone about this the other day. I am like terrified. I don't want to say terrified. I'm scared to approach men and tell them that they're attractive, basically, like, it, which is crazy because I don't know. I mean, why not shoot my shot? I feel like women are brought up to believe that, like, you know, men should come to us. And yeah, I know it's bullshit. Because of that, <laughs> I have this, like, ingrained, like, assumption, expectation that men should come to me. And therefore, I feel weird putting myself out there and, like, so vulnerable. And I'm, like, afraid of it. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm trying to face this year have you tried yet i have not you know early on in the year but i i'm committed to doing it so we'll see i'll tell you this it would be a breath of fresh air if a if a woman would have come up to me and say that they think i'm attractive it's like unheard of i've never you know we want we want it we want that you know but it's just not the way the game is played you know so yeah. they say yeah. And I guess part of my fear is like, A, you know, they're not interested. B, they maybe are in a relationship or I don't know. C, like I just look like an idiot for some reason. <laughs> Welcome to the world of men. <laughs> well, our, our only plight, really. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's talk about relationships really quick. What's your relationship status? I am freshly single. Fresh. Okay. And how long was your last relationship? Seven years. Seven years. Oh, that's a long one. And you recently ended it? Yeah. I mean, it was somewhat mutual, I suppose, but felt like more like she was ending it with me, to be honest. What was the reason for the breakup? Uh, I mean, I don't know. There's what her version of things and there's mine, but I can only really, I can only really speak on mine. But, you know, in my opinion, it's, it was a lot of complacency, you know, I don't know, seven years go by almost and like you start doing things you would never do like in the beginning of the relationship like you know pee with the door open you know fart in front of each other <laughs> like things like that you know you you just get so comfortable I, I think that's the main problem but i think also when i look back on it and i've had a lot of time to do so it's just there is an age difference between us that i didn't think or i didn't think or neglected so just like acknowledge was might have been a problem you know, mm -hmm. like she just turned 35. I just turned 29. You know, when I met her, I was like 23. I just turned 23. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know. I think that that made for a bad dynamic in terms of like something she would complain to me about is that she feels like she's like nurturing me, even though I disagree. But it's just like our life experience was it was different. Like you know, she's already when you're like 28 or 27 when I met her. Like like think back to yourself at like 23. Like that's not a who was that person? That's not this was like a creature compared to like who you are now. Definitely. So. I could get a sense of that. You know, there's all kinds of things, but I think those are the big ones. It's too bad, though. You just learned. I learned so much about myself after the fact. Or like, why do I need to change? It just lets you have to learn when things like, you know, hurt. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good takeaway, though, is like you did learn a lot about yourself, what you do want in a relationship going forward, and maybe also what you don't want. Yeah, I, um, it's exactly that. That's like the biggest thing is just like, I realized like there were some things that I didn't, um, that I just kind of conceded or just like let slide just from, you know, for myself, like things that I needed that I wasn't getting. I just kind of, for the sake of making a relationship work or not like getting into conflict, you know, like I just kind of let things kind of slide or just kind of rolled over it. So I think now I would recognize for sure, like the instinct, like I have an instinct about what I'm seeing in a potential partner, whether like it, you know, it's something I want, something I don't want, I like, I don't like, like, I'm just kind of sticking up for that more than I did in the past. Mm-hmm. That's important. Do you know your attachment style? Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Well, I definitely got some mommy issues. So, <laughs> so I have a bit of like a, definitely I have a codependency problem, I would say, or like, you know, I like, I like hold on when I, I sense someone is maybe starting to let go kind of thing. Like I try to hold tighter. Interesting. Yeah. So when everyone, or sorry, when someone else is trying to let go, you hold tighter? Exactly. So I would say maybe like anxious then, anxiously attached. (laughs) I guess I never thought about it that way. Well, so the attachment styles, there's secure, there's anxious, there's avoidant, and then there's disorganized, which is kind of a mix of all of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess let's put me in the anxious bin. (laughs) All of us, we all like are all of them at different times, but you know, some people are primarily secure and uh, I mean, my style is actually more disorganized, which basically me it's it all has to do with like how you were raised when you were a baby and your attachment to your parents. So what's disorganized mean again? Disorganized. So for me, and it, it all is different with like whoever you are in a relationship with, right? And whatever they're bringing mm-hmm. to the table and all that. But so disorganized is basically like sometimes I'll be anxiously attached, sometimes I'll be secure, and then sometimes I'll be avoidant. Think that like it in terms of like, let's say confrontational, I will avoid. If someone's being like very overbearing or very like clingy, then that will make me avoidant. If someone is, on the other hand, being avoidant and dismissive, non-communicative, that will make me anxious. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I probably relate to that more. Like, mm-hmm. It's like whatever's happening, the opposite is happening for me. Like, yeah. Kind of yeah. yeah. I don't know what that's about. I, I don't know. You know, I'll bring it up to my therapist. I'll, I'll bring this up next week. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, what initially prompted you to seek therapy? It was actually my ex-girlfriend. She, she had been seeing one for a little bit and then just like kept telling me that I should, you know, Um, I was, you know, I was, I come from an immigrant family. So like therapy is not really something that 
is discussed or even considered, you know, or like, like people just might seem like something wrong with you or like, like, oh, you don't need that. They're just like, they don't get it. You know, like the only time, like I come from a Russian Jewish family. Like the only time people talk about their feelings is like when we're doing a shot of vodka, like for a toast, <laughs> you know, that's like the only time, you know, like I told my grandfather, I loved him. And he told, he said to me, I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's what I'm working with. So she got me, she got me to just kind of pull the trigger. And I got lucky with on my first try with a therapist. And I've been with her for like five, four or five years now. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. What would you say is like one of the main issues that you're working through with your therapist? Um, that you feel comfortable sharing, obviously. Yeah, just give me a second to think about it. It's like, well, right now, you know, going through a breakup, so I was just like kind of that. Um, I mean, we're kind of, I'm kind of out of the whole like solely focusing on on it. It's more like what I'm learning from it. My biggest, my biggest thing that I work on with her, and this is like, you know, I don't know when this even ends, you know. How long this is going to take but it's just trying to figure out like patterns of behavior that i've had that you know have brought me great like unhappiness you know like whether it's how my relate romantic relationships are like how those affect me how i like you know just like internalize my experience uh-huh. um Sometimes I don't even know what we're, you know, I come to a session. I don't even know what to say. She just sits there and stares at me until I say something. So you know, <laughs> it's wild what comes out, you know, at the end. But. It is It is funny when you go into a session, like not knowing, because I feel like sometimes those are the most effective sessions. You really get to like some crazy issue that like you just had no idea you were going to talk about that day. I know. And then the breakthrough comes Right when it's oh, right when she says, uh, I think it's a good place to stop. Exactly. Leave it on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Is your is your therapist like tell you things about herself at all? Like, would she let you in? Um. So I'm actually starting with a new therapist tomorrow. It was my first session. So we okay. will see. I'm so intrigued by that dynamic, though. Like, does yours? No, I don't know. I don't know shit about her. For she knows everything about me, everything, <laughs> you know, yeah. things that no one knows about me. And I just, you know, just getting her to laugh is like enough. It's like I, sheer, you know, I've broken through the barrier. Yeah. Of, of the therapist barrier. It is wild. I, I ask her, I ask her how she's doing. And then some, and sometimes she just goes, how, how are you? You know? Yeah. Just won't even, won't give me a little, just give me a little bit, you know? No, exactly. It's like, what? well, we're not here to talk about me. <laughs> I know. I know. So I guess other than therapy, what has been something that you've been leaning on during the breakup? I've been lucky. I, you know, it's funny when, when we broke up, people were like a little bit genuinely worried about me based on how I've handled, you know, breakups when I'm like, just like 20, 21. I mean, you remember, remember I was going through like a little breakup at the, you know, at the gym. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole world when of a thing, but it's like, I think Again, having been in therapy, I've been leaning on tools that I didn't even realize I had. Just like being able to understand and like what's going on and just to react appropriately. I allow myself more to feel. That was the biggest thing. Like in the past, when I was like 21, I would have been so self-destructive. You know, like I would have like been ripping shots. My life would have been that Tovlo song, uh, Habits. You know that song, Habits? Stay high. High all the time to keep you up my mind. Kind of, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that my life would have been that music video, but just like every day <laughs> where this time, like I didn't even do anything self-destructive. I, I mean, I just like, just 
allowed myself to feel what I was feeling, which is like not something that I even grew up knowing how to do. So relying on, you know, the tools that I've gained in therapy. And also I've been lucky, just surrounded by love, like my family, my friends, everybody uh, was supportive. Yeah. It really helped. It's really helping me like move forward faster. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Have you thought about or started dating yet? Or are you not ready for that? Hell yeah, I have. I have a date tonight after this. Oh, that's exciting. And do you know yeah. each other? Nope. Nope. It's a big change. Was it for Tinder? Hinge. Hinge. Okay. I, uh, listen, I haven't been, I haven't been gone on dates in seven years, which is kind of, I sound like an old man when I say that, but like. Is this your first one? No, no. Okay. no I've been going on a, on many for the last like month or so. Just kind of kick hands, eye gear, like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't, I've met everybody online. Which is not, it was not something I used to do. I, I used to like meeting people like out in the open, but I guess it makes it easier. It just kind of like, I don't know. It's so, it's weird still to me, you know? It's, yeah, it's so easy to just like swipe and like someone and then ask them out after a few messages. Whereas in person, you know, you're faced with like rejection. You're faced with, I mean, just a lot more factors having to approach them and, yeah. But the thing is, I think that but because people are not expecting it anymore, they're more inclined to give you their number, let's say. Yeah. I think a lot of people too, like including myself, are having online dating fatigue. And so it's like meeting and having that connection in person is kind of more meaningful because at least you know what the person looks like. You know, maybe that you have initial attraction. Whereas if you're meeting online, you don't even, you can't guarantee that. Yeah. And dude, no, I get it. Like this is the day we, an age we live in. Technology is our lives. But even so, nobody wants to say like we met, we met on Hinge. You know, people want to be like, she picked up the, you know, we went for the same book at the library. You know, yeah. people want, people want that. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely like more romantic, you know, but I don't know. Romanticism feels like it's out the window a little bit. I don't know. It does. You start talking, like messaging on Hinge or Tinder, like as the conversation goes off, people are asking me all these things. It's like, there's nothing for the, nothing left for the date by the, by the time we see them. What's the weirdest date you have had? So far? Yeah. And they've all been great so far. Oh, they've all been great. And so have they've you all been great. going on second dates then? I've been on second and third dates. Okay. So you've got a roster going. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say it like, like I got a roster, you know? I don't know. You know, I'm just, you know, keeping my options open, I suppose, is the, is the best way to put it. Can't sound like a dick. Yeah. Okay. I like it. And what are like, what are some signs to you of a good date? Like, how do I know it's going well? Yeah. It's a good question. It depends. If we're sitting at the bar together, you know, some knee touching makes you, makes me realize that the date's going well. If any physical contact of any, like even subtle makes me feel like it's going well. Cause like you feel comfortable, like we're feeling comfortable enough with each other. Just kind of like do that. Or it's just like, we're laughing a lot. Like there's no, there's no like lull in the conversation. Like when I feel like I have to really like dig deep to the point where I feel like I'm interviewing you, like, then it's, it's not going well. It's not going well for me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, what would you say is like a red flag in the early stages of dating? There are some women that I've spoken to on the apps that they get really personal, really fast. Like we're talking like 
I'm already sitting here. I'm learning about your traumas, you know, at the gate. Like when somebody says, I love that for you a lot, that really drives me crazy. I love that for you. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I think they think it sounds nice, but it, I don't know. I don't like it. I was going to say over shit, just like that. Like we're diving deep. It's for our first date and I, you're asking me about my parents' divorce. It's like, I can't, I can't, can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I mean, it depends on what you're sharing. Like I have had a person, you know, that I dated share that he had his brother die on our first date. But like to mm -hmm. me, that's just such a big part of his life that it wasn't weird. But yeah, going into like all the details of your parents' divorce might be a little weird on a first date. Right. I mean, like, look, if it comes up naturally within the flow of conversation, I mean, like I was talking to somebody and they just like straight up asked me, like, do you have mommy issues or daddy issues and why? And like asking me all these, all these like personal questions. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know you. Yeah. And you're like, you are not my therapist. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you know, again, good questions. I'll I'll bring it up to my therapist. <laughs> I don't know. These are great questions. Other than that, red flags, I mean, I don't know. On the first day, it's hard to pick up on unless they're really egregious. Or at least I think probably with men, it's a lot easier to spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And sometimes we just go blazing right past those red flags. So do you kiss on the first date? Um, I only if, oh, it depends on the feeling, but yeah, I, I, I go for it if, if I feel like they want me to. Mm -hmm. And these days I actually kind of ask in a way if I can, you know, mm -hmm. like I try to, I try to bring it up in a whimsical way where it's not like, Hey, can I kiss you? Like, I don't know. That seems weird. So, yeah. That's a little you know. awkward in my opinion, but obviously got to have consent. So. Yeah, I know. I mean, other times you just go for it, but it's like, sometimes you can't tell, you know, so right. sometimes that's what hurt to ask. And sometimes. then it would be more awkward if you went for it and it was a no. So <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about rejection. That, that well, hurts. Yeah, that, that's cringeworthy. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Where someone went for it and I did not want to kiss them. And vice versa. I honestly, it has happened to me, but I don't know if I actually like rejected them or if I was just like went along with it and just pretended that I was down. Yeah, I've done that. That, that happens. Time to time. And definitely been there. Sometimes you just got to let you just roll with it. You know, they're good. If they're a good person, you just roll with it. You know, it's like, all right, yeah, <laughs> we're doing this. We're I know, you know, it's it's definitely happened before, but um, I try to be better about my boundaries and like being honest and straightforward now. So, yeah, there's definitely a line of like, like you got to set boundaries. That's something I've learned. But it's, you got it's also how do you approach and and like what's your approach to like telling people your boundaries without sounding like abrasive you know mm -hmm. You're like this is the line yeah across yeah no it's tough so I, obviously you just got out of a relationship but mm -hmm. um what are like some signs that you could see yourself dating a person like basically what makes you want to lock someone down mm, that's a good question oh well there's a lot of factors I think moving forward, because I think these things might have changed for me. I used to think that, like, if we love each other, that's enough. But what I've learned is, unfortunately, love is not enough. There's, like, so much more that goes into it. So, obviously, love is an attraction is, like, a first step. But, you know, your values are very important. Like, how you see your future. Like, what do you want? You know, even if you don't know what you want, but at least, like, you know, you're putting yourself out there to figure it out kind of thing. And someone 
for me, like someone who's just willing to meet me halfway on, th you know, things I can't, I don't like, I wouldn't want to barrel, you know, over somebody. Like when I feel like somebody is just like, they're pushing their shit onto me, like to me, how they want it and stuff like that. Like it, it makes me withdraw or like okay. makes me irritated. Like relationships are a two way street. And so it's gotta be, if I can see someone is, is able to number one, call me on my stuff, but take responsibility for their own. You know, I think that's like a great partnership. You know, that's already a, like a good foundation for a good partnership right there. So like, that's basic. that's like the biggest thing for me, I would say, that would make me want to commit to somebody if they're capable of that. Mm -hmm. And are you into monogamy or other options? <laughs> I've done, <laughs> I've done the open thing. I've done it. I think, uh, philosophically, I believe in it. I just think society is just too ingrained into us. Like monogamy is just like. Somebody's gonna, somebody gets hurt. Somebody gets hurt down the line or jealousy creeps up, you know, like you no matter how much you tell yourself, it's okay. It's not like, it's hard to fight. It's hard to fight that. Like what you just been conditioned to do, you know, even though I don't think, I think it goes against our nature of monogamy, but mm -hmm. it's just the, it's the way of the world, unfortunately. So it's like fighting that is hard. I mean, I went on a date with someone recently who was polyamorous and, uh, that didn't end well for her. And would you be open to having a relationship like that? Like an open relationship or like polyamory? Because those are two different things. They are two different things. So I guess yeah. polyamory. Sounds so exhausting. I mean, the, to deal with one person's emotions yeah. is already. So it makes me so sleepy already just thinking about it. But, <laughs> but more than one? More than one? You know? Like, and everyone's like Mishagas, which, you know, which is Yiddish for craziness. Like. Like, you know, one is going to be upset with me about, I didn't refill the Brita filter. The other one's like, I didn't do the dishes. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Here is my thought on that. I think that first off, like, I think that I would be jealous, but I think that it actually, the jealousy could lead to increased desire for each other. So I think like, we're not even saying that I would do this, but if, if I was polyamorous, like you, I think you usually have like a primary partner. Uh, what you're thinking of is, um, ethical non-monogamy is what you're talking about mm. where, which is basically an open relationship. So you have a primary partner who, and then you have like other people you can just sleep with mm -hmm. where polyamory is like, you're in multiple full relationships. Like you're giving all of yourself to all of these people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you. That sounds exhausting. Ain't nobody got time for that. Seriously. That's so exhausting. But even if you were to do the open thing, which, you know, again, in theory, I think makes sense. Like, uh, it's like who we are as animals, but it requires a lot of communication, like that, you know, establishing boundaries, rules, stuff like that, like stuff's super important. And, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it, I think most of the time it doesn't, or I've spoken to a lot of people where it doesn't really work. I did an open relationship and it was fun for a few months, but then we realized we were just doing that because we had bigger problems. So we just didn't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. No, I was yeah. in one too for a little, and I think it eventually drove us apart. Um, I mean, it was also long distance, so that was another factor, but. Yeah. And let's say you even call it off. I, you know, I can't, putting that genie back in the bottle is a little difficult because it's like you already crossed the line. So now the line's getting a little blurry. Like as to what's acceptable, what's not. Well, and the communication was not there in my situation. So 
it and it was one sided, so that kind of like clouded things and made things a little weird too. Um, did you guys uh, have rules? What were your rules? So we did not have rules because basically he did not want to hook up with other people. And uh, well, that's a problem. Well, then I was like, you know, I I was in a new place and I wanted to connect with people and in that way. And so I had basically freedom and he was like, I'm not going to do anything, but like whatever you want to do, like I support you. So that yeah. was, it was kind of like a don't ask, don't tell, which. Yeah. Which you, you must realize now he didn't actually want to do this. He just like. No, he definitely did not. He was like nervous to lose me and right. But like that was just a weird dynamic because I felt like I had to hide whatever was going on. And yeah, it's yeah. a recipe for disaster because it feels like that's like it's not lying, but it feels like it. It felt like lying. It felt like I was being shady and like hiding like another relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Like both people got to want it, got to embrace it. And even even then, it's just like it can take its toll. You know, so what were you? I also rules? had like a distance thing. My rule, our rules were, um, and was this, you couldn't. Was this your most recent relationship? Yeah, but this was like four years, I think it was like four years ago or so. Okay. I was gearing up to go to Spain for culinary school. Mm. I don't remember who brought it up, but you know, we talked about it. We both were like, we're evolved human beings. Like, let's fucking go. Like, let's do this. You know, like, we're, we think. Or, or we think higher than the average folk. Let's uh, let's let's be evolved and, and yeah. do this. So, <laughs> so you know, our rules were that you couldn't hook up with somebody that you already know, mm-hmm. and you couldn't hook up with somebody more than once, which was later amended to twice. <laughs> so I. I eventually went to Spain, you know, I went to Spain that summer and, you know, she was in New York doing her thing, you know, and I was doing mine and the distance, I think once we injected the distance into it and, you know, she's over there, I'm like, I'm in Europe and there's a time difference and like you're, you're having this physical connection with other people. You're going on dates. So like there's an emotional connection that you might not be able to avoid. Like I, plus the distance, I think. It created, it created space, like, you know, and we were starting to communicate less. And then we just kind of reached like a boiling point where it's like, what's going on here? You know, like, so then we just talked about real issues that were actually happening and then we decided to stop. Okay. We decided to stop, you know. So at that point, it kind of did bring you closer because you were like, okay, we do have all these issues and we're actually willing to work through them and be committed to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Like, cause. There's like, there's almost like a, like a pseudo, like honeymoon period that comes on when you like decide to stop the open relationship and you're just going to recommit to your intimacy and like reconnecting with each other. And so like, that was a powerful, like, like a little injection of like a honeymoon period, you mm. know? So it was probably like a good year of that, I would say, you know, but you just keep getting older and you, you, you change and didn't end up working out in the end anyway. Right. But you yeah. did, you learned a lot about each other and you learned about like what you want and what you don't. And that's important too. Yeah. Like I said, it's just like, it's, it's just unfortunate that like, you don't, 
and maybe this is me being cynical, so please tell me if it is, but it's just like, unfortunately, sometimes you just don't learn your lesson until it's like, it's too late or like you're, you don't learn your lesson without some pain, like being associated with it. You know, like there are probably so many things I could have changed or she could have changed, but it might've not mattered enough because we were so comfortable. You know, you didn't, you didn't just conceded things. And then once it ends, it's like, you're ready to change all these things, you know? Yeah. You know, so it sucks that you can't do it with a, that person, but hey, whoever comes next, you know, they're getting a good deal. No, exactly. I mean, I think it, it I think we do learn the most in like our periods of, I don't know, grief or loss. And, and I think that that's why we have to go through these struggles. Right. And just because you ended up breaking up with this person doesn't mean it was like a failed relationship, you know, like. Absolutely not. Dude, seven years together. Like, I think the average is like three, mm -hmm. with people, like four, like to me, seven years is, is, is a success. Like, I mean, like, and I'm like a full fledged person. I can cook. I can clean. I can know how to fold my laundry. I have a skincare routine now, you know, like that. I have a therapist. It's funny. Like when I go on dates, I've told some girls I have a skincare routine. It's like, it's like telling them I'm like six foot five or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, Hey, you only get one face. You only get one set of skin. You're going to have it for life. So one set of, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I got And plus I got like that Ashkenazi gene. So I got to take care of my skin. Yeah, no, exactly. What's something you first notice about a woman? Physically or like after I've spoken? Right? Both. Okay, physically. I always, the first thing I always notice is just like her face and her eyes. That's always the thing I look at first. And her hair. When I speak to them, it's, I always look for like if there's a sense of humor or not. That's always the thing I, I look for most because I can be sarcastic and I can be, you know, I can say things just that are a little pushing the line just because it makes me, brings me joy. So just noticing if they have a sense of humor or not. It's like, that's, that's, the, that's what I'm looking for right out of the gate. Definitely. What's your biggest pet peeve? People who chew with their mouth open. Oh my God. Yep. I can't do it. It drives me fucking crazy, man. <laughs> Men uh, who wear flip-flops. Drives me crazy. Dude, especially in like the dead of winter, there's always that token guy wearing shorts and flip-flops. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like person's on meth. That's why. <laughs> They've got problems. If you could meet one right. celebrity, who would it be? What a question. Male or female or both? Either. Dead or alive? Either. Oh, Jesus. You can do one dead, one alive. All right. I'll do Christ <laughs> to start. Just like, I mean, he's a real, he's like the most popular dude in history. So I just kind of want to see what he was like. I want to see if like, if a shit don't stink or not. You know, I want to know if he was really that big a deal or not. Is it because so, you yeah. are religious that you would choose him or just because of like the hype around him? No, I, I'm not religious at all whatsoever. Much to the chagrin of my, uh, my father, but. <laughs> but you are kosher, God. right? Hell no. Oh, okay. You just had your kosher show or you were making something kosher. Oh, our business is kosher, but you know, that's because we, that's just a service. We provide kosher food. You know, people can't get good kosher food. Yeah. It's like unheard of. So, you know, we're like trained chefs. So like we're infusing like actual like French and all kinds of like techniques into like food, like Eastern European food is not the sexiest. Like when you think about it, well, that's what we do, but that's just for money. Mm -hmm. so that's not, that's not how I live my life. Good marketing tactic. I eat bacon. You think I can live without bacon? Crazy, man. Dude, I um, don't know how people do it. <laughs> they don't know. Ignorance. So, okay. So Christ, because Christ is, he's, he's like the coolest dude in history. Obviously he's the most famous. Okay. So uh, that's alive. Damn. Do you have an answer for this? 
Not off the top of the I mean, you I can dish it, but you can't take it. <laughs> it's a tough eight. There's so many people. For my dead, I would love to meet uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good one, too. For my alive. Alive is tough. Alive is tough. Maybe LeBron. LeBron James. Maybe like Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yeah. He's funny. I love Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Probably just like an actor or a actress. Yeah. Not somebody important like a neuroscientist or anything. Anything that actually means something. People who do the stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. Way more cool. (laughs) I think I'd go with LeBron. I feel like he seems like he, he, he could show me the way. Yeah. What is next for Tolan? What is next for me? Right now, it's more than anything. It's just just enjoying you know myself loving myself just learning to you know i've been somebody for the last seven years i haven't been alone you know in so long and it's just this year is about getting to just like get to know myself again i suppose like just reacquainting with who i am and what i want what i like it's the world is my oyster right now it's like you know i don't have to consider anything or anyone other than myself so just learning what makes me happy or maybe just doing the things that I know make me happy, but I'm afraid to do like we spoke about earlier. Yes. I love that. Well, pimp yourself out. Where can we find you and um, watch your cooking show? Oh, great. I've always wanted to do some plugs. So, all right. You can catch me on uh, IG, Instagram handle uh, T underscore tape. That's T underscore T-E-Y-F. Or my podcast, which is just literally type in Silly Goose Academy. Like, I'm pretty sure it's the only one. And the cooking show, it's called Keeping It Kosher on the Eat This TV network. It's me and my brother. And you can find it on YouTube or on their on their app. And if you're interested in watching two, two brothers, you know, who, you know, love cooking, but not taking it too seriously, come watch us. My brother basically does most of the cooking, and I just stand next to him and fetch the whole time. <laughs> you the new chef? I mean, kind of. Kind of, yeah. I just, I told him, like, you just do. But when we started doing it, he was, like, kind of, like, nervous. So I was just like, yeah. let me do most of the talking. You just do the cooking. He's better than me anyway. Yeah, you got to be there to provide comedic relief. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for having me. I mean, yeah. I haven't, it's like the first time we're talking in, like, I don't know, years. I don't even know how long it's been. It is. I mean, we stayed connected on Instagram, but, like, very loosely connected. So it's great to catch up with you i'm glad you're following your passions and you're doing well and trying my best thanks for coming on thanks for having me all right everyone see you next time ciao thank you all for listening i hope you loved this episode you can reach out to me at of the essence with liz at gmail.com or find me on instagram of the essence with liz and let me know how you felt about the episode and also reminder If you do love the episode, I would be so appreciative if you would leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It would really mean the world to me and it just helps to broaden my my reach and to expand my community, which we love. So I love you all and I hope you have a beautiful day.